You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. This week on the show, I am joined by Ashley Van Houten, who on Instagram is The Muscle Maven. She is the host of Paleo Magazine Radio. She's a writer. She's a product editor for Paleo Magazine online. She's a self-proclaimed meathead. And this, she's, she's embedded. She, is, she lives, breathes every single day, uh, fitness, lifestyle. She's a coach. And this is a pretty cool conversation because for all of us who are out there doing our best to live most optimally, and I would include probably a lot of you listeners in there and also Ashley and myself, we talk a little bit about uh, what the ramifications are of that sort of lifestyle and how we can live more balanced lives, how we can uh, think about our personal nutrition and the ins and outs of what it takes to live a high quality of life. And it's a good reminder that for someone who is as informed as Ashley is, who's as dedicated to uh, her craft as she is, she has a really cool outlook about how she sleeps and how she eats and how she loves and how she works. And uh, it's a really, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation between Ashley Van Houten and, I, and myself. As always, give me your feedback, send me an email. Um, we would always, always, always love an iTunes review. So share with your friends and be inspired by today's host because she's a pretty dynamic person. Follow me on Instagram at Coach Sean McCormick. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Ashley Van Houten. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're here with Ashley Van Houten. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan. Nice. So I give everybody, all the guests, an opportunity to, to introduce themselves. So who are you? What do you do? What do you love? All right, I will try. I can't, I still haven't figured out how to do this in an elevator pitch, so I'll try to keep it short and then we can kind of just go down whatever <laughs> rabbit holes we want to. I know I really need to work on that. But um, basically, so my name is Ashley Van Houten. I am the uh, host of Paleo Magazine Radio, which is Paleo Magazine's podcast. I've been a writer for Paleo Magazine for about six or seven years now. Um, and I'm also a health coach. So I was one of the first 50 people um, to get the primal health coach certification through uh, Mark Sisson's company, which is kind of cool. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm, I'm a freelancer. I kind of have my uh, fingers in a lot of pies. I like to sort of hustle and do a lot of different things, which makes every day kind of different and interesting. Um, and I'm really like living my dream job. One of the things I get to do for Paleo Magazine, which is actually how I learned about Natural Stacks, is I am their products editor. So 
all of the um, supplements and protein powders and paleo foods and snacks and gear and books and everything that can even sort of loosely be or indirectly tied to paleo in terms of healthy, natural foods and products kind of come my way, which as a sort of meathead, and we can get into that later, but sort of in the bodybuilding fitness world, I mean, I'm so into that stuff. Um, so it's awesome. I get to try all the cool products and, and that's how I learned about you guys and the amazing products that Natural Stacks makes. So um, yeah, I've got a pretty cool gig. That's great, man. Having being the 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 editor of the products, that must I mean, that's an 80 hour a week job alone. I mean, well, it's funny because I get people messaging me like, you're so lucky you get all these cool products. And yes, absolutely. And then the next thing is like, how do you not gain 100 pounds? Because of course, I'm getting sent not only things like really, really high quality, um, like protein powders and nootropics and all these keto products that are coming out now. But it's, you know, there's a there's 400 paleo protein bars, and there's cookies, and there's pancake mixes and you name it. And uh, I'm not one of those people who takes a bite of something and throws it out just to say that I, I tried it. Like I eat some stuff. I eat a lot of stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not, none of this stuff is going to waste when it comes to me generally. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think one of the things that's really been, been cool for me as I'm hosting the podcast and I'm talking to all these companies and I'm talking to really smart people and I'm learning and then I'm, I'm getting these products sent to me and I'm really trying to be thoughtful about what is going to be helpful to our readers and our followers. So what kind of products really are high quality and transparent and doing what they say they're doing. And, you know, there's so much um, false advertising when it comes to these products these days and also even just misleading information and ingredients. And there's all that stuff is is huge in the industry, as as you guys know. So being able to kind of learn and research and experiment and try all these things and see what's good and what isn't has been really valuable and educational for me. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That, that, that segues perfectly into the first question that I ask all of our guests, which is what is, what have you put in your body today? Oh, what did I put in my body today? Okay. So it's actually where I am right now. It's, it's lunchtime. Um, so I've like eaten 40 times already. No, I, I am, <laughs> I eat like, I'm not one of those like, you know, fasting and I have one meal at the end of the day. That's, that is not how I roll at all. Um, so this morning I woke up and I had some, um, keto nootropic from a company called perfect keto. Uh, which is honestly, I am so uh, beholden to taste when it comes to products. So things can be really healthy and great, but if they don't taste good, I'm not gonna use them again. Like I can acknowledge that they're they're good, but if they don't taste good, it's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat it. So anyway, this nootropic tastes like chocolate milk, and it has basically every uh, adaptogenic mushroom and whatever you can think of. So anyway, I had some of that this morning. Then I went and did my workout. I uh, went to the gym and um, did some conditioning stuff and did a little bodybuilder back day workout, felt good. I came home and I had some eggs and avocado, which is basically my classic breakfast, and some coffee. And then I had some Natural Stacks Siltep. I kid you not, because I wanted to prepare for this podcast, so I wanted to be super sharp. So I had some of that and, uh, yeah, and I've got a water next to me right now. So, um, so far so good today. Yeah. That seems pretty dialed. Is that, is that a typical uh, morning routine for you? I try to be pretty, um, 
pretty routine, but things change. I mean, I, I, I'm a three meal a day kind of girl. So I always have breakfast. I'm always hungry. Sometimes I'll try to get a workout in before I actually find that I do better workouts mid afternoon, which research shows is generally kind of an optimal time for a lot of people. Um, but I like to get a workout in, in the morning. Cause then I just, I know that I've done it and it's out of the way. Um, so yeah, coffee is a must every morning again, not because I need it. I'm just like totally orally fixated on the process of having coffee. I don't, I don't need caffeine. I'm one of those lucky people that probably needs the opposite of caffeine. At, most of the time I'm like, I'm pretty wired, <laughs> but I just like it. I just like coffee. Um, but yeah, I like to, I like to have a routine where I'm like, I'm up, I'm doing something productive within the first hour. I'm all, I'm eating right away. I'm trying to keep myself hydrated and I'm lucky again because I work from home. So I, I travel a lot and I'm, I'm here and there, but I can make most of my meals. I can meal prep. I can do things like that. So I'm pretty sorted out that way, um, which works for me because I am still one of those people, despite my best intentions that when I go off of my schedule, things can, can fall off the cliff pretty quick. Like when I travel, I, you know, I pack my healthy snacks and I pack my supplements and I tell myself I'm going to be good this time. And then, you know, I land wherever I'm going and it's like just free for all, like I'm going to die the next day. So I need to, that's one of the things I need to work on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I try to have a schedule. Yeah, I, I think that you and I probably have a lot in common, like um, high energy, like don't need the caffeine. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, social butterfly, connecting with people. Um, you can probably hear it in both of our voices. We make uh, we, we make excellent podcast hosts, of course. Of course. I mean, but I, I do think there's something to that. I mean, just sort of the, the energy and the... Um, the desire to learn, I think, is one thing that makes somebody a good podcast host, because one thing that I have found as I've gotten older and, and maybe after university is that I'm, I tend to be more of an introvert. And I know it's like cool to call yourself an introvert these days because everyone's like, I want to stay home and watch Netflix. I'm an introvert. But I, I never knew that I was an introvert because I am a very uh, I'm very comfortable so in social settings. I'm very comfortable getting up in front of people and talking and this interview format I love. Um, and I, I'm a communicator. That's what I do for a living. That's what I love to do. But being out in in very social situations and being at parties and being like, at things like that, I'm good at it and I like it, but it takes a lot out of me. I really like to be alone and by myself. And second to that, I really like one-on-one -on -one kind of interactions and communications. So it, it used to be I'd go to the parties and have fun and, and enjoy that. And I still do, but I much prefer like going to get a coffee with one person and having like a really good conversation or going to the gym with my friend and, and kind of chatting while we work out and that kind of thing more so than sort of the big extroverted kind of events and, uh, and being with people every, every night and every day after work and stuff like that. I can go like days without interacting with somebody and I'm cool. Like I actually get to the point where I'm like, maybe I should interact with another human being. Cause it's been a little while. Um, but going back to the, the podcasting thing, I love to, to learn from people and to learn just period. I'm always reading. I'm always trying to find the next great person to have on the podcast. And I love these kinds of formats because it's, it's, um, it's purposeful. I guess maybe that's the other thing is, is just having conversations just to have them. I can't, I can't, I just can't do it anymore. I'm like, I'm too old for that. I can't do it. But if there's a reason and there's, there's really something that you want to try to, to, to tease out or get out of a conversation that, that part's exciting to me. Yeah, well, I think I think not only do, are we all craving deeper, more meaningful connections because we're so fragmented online, 
uh, I think even above and beyond that, like as the the platform of a podcast allows a deeper conversation and everyone listening right now is like tracking every word and thinking, how does this apply to me? What would, what's my input on this thing? How do I feel about that thing? And so this podcast format allows us to, to either drill down really deep into one topic or like I think today will go because you're such an encyclopedia and such a great resource that I think that we can, we can broaden the topics today uh, and, and it will, it will allow others to participate. And I'm with you. I think that anytime that you're, you're up leveling in your life, that's a, I mean, I'm a, so I'm a, uh, a life coach and performance coach and I work with entrepreneurs and uh, a wide, a wide spectrum of folks. And, and the, this concept of sort of, of up leveling almost, almost in a game gamification way, this like you've, you're doing something in your life uh, where you're getting better, uh, in some way. And as we up level professionally, and as we get better at using our time and, and valuing and prioritizing the, the ways that we spend our time, including being alone, uh, the, the, there's less and less room for bullshit and small talk. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. And, 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 I think that we're drawn to the people, especially in social environments, that also add insight into our lives and we can add insight into their lives. So talking about the game is fine for like a minute, but I want to know what book you're reading. I want to know what what struggles you're facing in your life. Like I want to actually have a conversation. Maybe we'll talk about aliens. Maybe we'll talk about crystals. Maybe we'll talk about telomeres, but either way, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to help each other. I, I don't know. I like it. I like everything. I like everything you just said. And I am totally down to talk about aliens all day long. Um, but I actually have a question for you though. Um, because again, as a fellow podcast host, do you, what kind of feedback do you get from people when you maybe have an atypical guest or somebody that's a little bit outside the box, or maybe you have a conversation that isn't maybe what your listeners expect? Like, do you find your audience to be pretty open-minded, pretty willing to hear different things? Because one of the things that I saw sometimes struggle with. And certainly it's probably a limitation of the name of the podcast, which is Paleo Magazine Radio. So people assume it's always going to be about paleo. It's always going to be about diet. And that's maybe perhaps what people expect and want. And then if it kind of goes off into some other area of health and wellness, people are like, well, what is this? Well, how does this relate? You know? So what, how do you find that goes with your podcast? I, I try to do both. I, I try to um, know my audience and give them what they want, you know, sort of classic biohacking, lifestyle optimization, tools, techniques. Uh, I, I want to give the people what they're coming for. And also, I would say 20% of the time, I like to bring in a guest that is a little bit off the beaten path. For instance, um, we, I, I uh, had an interview with Dr. Dean Radin, um, who is the head of Noetic Sciences, and he basically he wrote a book called Real Magic, and it talks about the use of magic um, in an actual sense that, that we can all be magical practitioners, where it comes from, what sort of state of mind we need to be in, how we can incorporate it into performance. Um, another sort of off the beaten path guest would be uh, Dr. Joe Tafur, who is an ayahuasca shaman and also a medical doctor. And he talks about like the emotional systems of the body and how if we don't take care of our emotions and if we don't do the deep work associated with 
with how we respond and how we feel. If we're not maintaining and nourishing that part of our body, then we're going to get sick and everything's going to be out of whack. So I find that, you know, um, one fifth of the time is, is a good enough ratio to introduce maybe some, some, some aspects of performance and some experts that, that people may not have, have thought about before. So like for another example, uh, one of my friends here in the Seattle area is a, um, he's basically a Chinese master. His name's, uh, Dr. Bob Grexonic. If, if after this, if you haven't listened to it yet, Ashley, go back and listen to the interview with Dr. Bob Grexonic. Uh, I do an acupuncture session, uh, live on the podcast. We talk about food. We talk about crystals. We talk about mostly energy and how we use energy, how we can, uh, generate energy in our body. And that one got massive feedback, really, really positive. And so, you know, the, if, if people are, uh, if people are shying away from it, they're not saying anything. Um, but the, the times where I do throw curveballs, it, they've, they've seemed to been received really well, but you know, I gotta, I gotta keep, keep it. Um, (laughs) I got, I I mean, the the key word, I, I gotta still pay attention to my macros. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you uh, you mentioned the ayahuasca thing. That is like so hot right now in the uh, in the wellness community, and even sort of microdosing and and drugs that maybe growing up we all thought were like what the bad kids do, you know, in high school. And now it's like all these health and wellness gurus are are messing around with it. And I mean, to be honest with you, I've interviewed someone who who had an ayahuasca experience and that scares the shit out of me. I have no interest, zero interest in doing that. But the, the part that you hit on, which was taking care of your emotional health and well-being and being in tune with that, I think is super important. And it's something that often it takes a little while for us to get around to it. It's like a maturity thing almost. It's like, you don't, you don't always pay attention to that until you are faced with something where you, where you kind of have to, and that taking care of that side of things can, can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Maybe some people use plant medicine, maybe some people see a therapist, maybe some people, um, journal and things like that. But it's something that I have been playing around with myself recently. And that took me a lot longer than other people. And maybe especially to be stereotypical, women tend to be a little bit more in touch with this stuff than men. And I was kind of slow on the uptake as far as that goes. But I really think that paying attention to emotions and mental well-being and really sort of trying to tune into that has helped me a lot specifically very significantly with my basically lifelong insomnia that is, is something that I've been struggling with literally as long as I can remember and sort of to knock on wood here because I don't want to jinx myself but I would say even the work that I've been doing the last 3 to 6 months has significantly improved my sleep, which is, as anybody in the health and wellness world knows, a very crucial part of your your health and quality of life. So um, it's something that I'm like really taking seriously and, and paying attention to these days. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to get into that because I, I, I want to I hear that story. And, and it plays perfectly into what things are we not nourishing? What things are we not taking care of? And sleep falls into that category of for most people as oh yeah and also sleep i'm i'm exercising in this way i'm eating in this way i'm working in this way i'm grinding and hustling in this way and cool but how's your mental state how's your recovery 
you know, the, those those are critical elements for I think for people to to succeed and succeed long term. And the methods that you've talked about, you know, in lieu of the of of plant medicines and ceremonies, yeah, meditation is an effective way to maintain your mental health, and so is journaling, and so is you know, uh, screen fasting, and all of these ways. And that's that's sort of my wheelhouse, and and that's those are waters that I swim in every day, and um, just things that I'm I'm really interested in is how do we take care of our of our mental and emotional bodies. Um, how do we, how do we have this great balance? I think balance is, is super key. And yeah, if you're not sleeping well, like you're out of balance. And, and I, I, I think I'm preaching the choir, of course, but I think it's a problem that a lot of people have. And I, I wasn't really that hip to it because you're going to be upset with me, but I've, I sleep like a rock every single night. I never wake up. I go, I, I put my head on the pillow at 1030 after my infrared sauna and my cold shower and I'm out in two minutes and I wake up at 620 when my five-year-old comes into the bedroom. I don't wake up to pee. I don't sit and think about um, life or death. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't spend lucky the, man. I, lucky, I lucky. know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm now as I'm just bragging. Aware, which is as long as you are grateful and aware that, that you've got a good with your ability to sleep, that's great. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but I think that, I think it's, I think it's obviously a really common thing. So tell us your story. Tell us your, tell us your insomnia story. And, and, and more importantly, tell us how, how effective the natural stacks products have been Mm. and and how you're can, how you're working with it and, and why it's effective now. Yeah. So I, I mean, I do, there is a little bit of plant medicine involved in this story, but it's probably a lot more innocent than people might expect, but, um, oregano oil. Well, CBD. So I'll get into it. I'll try not to to get into it too much. But I mean, basically, there's no there's no specific sort of um, trauma or issue or anything. I've just never been a good sleeper. And part of that is, again, sort of the upregulation situation that I'm always dealing with. And we can talk about this, too. But I've done the whole Braverman test and I'm extremely dopamine dominant. I'm very GABA. low, I guess I don't have a lot of, so it's, I'm, I'm real. I've got all that up regulation and none of the down regulation. So I, I'm basically never tired. Um, and I have that sort of kid teenage approach to sleep where like, I don't want to go to bed. Like it's not, you know, when you hit your thirties, everyone's like, yeah, bed, it's the best. Everybody just wants to get in bed and cuddle up and it's their favorite part of the day. And like, I've never felt like that. I just have never, enjoyed the process of going to sleep and trying to calm my brain because it's always been a really tough challenge for me. And I, I, um, generally during the day, I'm a pretty, um, focused and pretty confident and not a super anxious person. And I think I compartmentalize all that until the nighttime when I'm alone in the dark with my thoughts. And I would just stay up all night and just, you know, think about every single thing that could ever go wrong or ever will go wrong or every bad thing I've ever done and everything that could happen. And, you know, and I just, it was every night. And so of course that's not something that you, you feel super good about. You welcome going to bed every night when that's what you're dealing with. And, uh, and it was a, like a sort of vicious cycle because I didn't want to go to sleep cause it was hard and that it was hard cause I didn't want to. And, uh, there were periods in my life and that was better or worse. Um, but I also kind of never really paid enough attention to it other than to complain because I 
again, was never tired. Like I wasn't like waking up, dragging my ass and needing to nap and needing coffee. And so I think that whatever sleep I was getting was probably quality at some point, or maybe I'm just one of those rare people that needs a little bit less sleep than, than the average person. But, um, I just, yeah, I kind of just complained about it and it was kind of just, well, I'm just a shitty sleeper and that's the way it goes. And, um, but again, as I get older and I care about every aspect of my health and I, I recognize that this was a area that I was neglecting. And I think a lot of people do for a number of reasons, because first sleep is like the least sexy, uh, element of health. Like everyone wants to eat well because it shows on your body and everyone wants to work out because that's fun and it's good. It makes your hormones feel good and that's good for your body. But the sleep part, it just isn't sexy. Like getting better sleep isn't so much about improving the way maybe you look as it is removing things that will make you feel worse, you know? So it's like, it's a, it's a more intangible thing. And then we've got this culture where it's like, I'll sleep when I'm dead and I barely need to sleep, but I can still crush it. And like all that kind of BS. And so people think that it's kind of a badge of honor to not sleep. So we've got all these things going on. Um, but yeah, I think I just kind of hit a point where I was fed up and I'm like, I've got all this other stuff sorted out, or at least I'm putting effort into sorting out every other aspect of my health. And why am I, why do I assume that this is just something that I'm always going to have to deal with? And this is just the way I am. I need to approach this the way I approach every other piece of fitness. So I started, um, doing a lot of things supplement wise, basically playing with everything I could think of. Um, I, I pulled like the Dave Asprey approach where I'm like, just put all the supplements in my mouth and see which one works. Um, so I played with different things like, um, GABA. So your product, which I'm still using and helps me a lot. I take it at night. Uh, and I find that it makes a, a significant difference. I, uh, use CBD religiously. I've been playing with that for about six months. And when you find the dosing that works and you find the, the product, the quality product that works for you, that has been life changing for me. Um, I'm not really much of a weed smoker. I mean, I've, I've certainly done plenty of it in my life, but I'm not, I'm not really in a place right now where I'm super into THC in the way that makes me feel. But the the calming effects of CBD without any of the psychoactive part is like exactly what my high strung body needs. It's just as the first time I took it, I was just like, yes, this is, this is it. So I'm using CBD pretty much nightly. Um, L-theanine has been a big one for me as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, different products work for different people. And I've just, I've kind of just done the work of experimenting until I found the combination of things that work for me. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then the other part, as I mentioned earlier, was sort of the mental health part. And that has been, again, playing with things like meditation, um, with talking to people about my emotions, which again, people are like, Oh, that sounds pretty common sense. Like most humans should be doing that, but I didn't. Um, and, and journaling. And so journaling was another thing that I was a really late adopter on because partly I'm a writer by trade. Like that's one of the things I do for a living. So I sort of didn't want to do it for what I saw as my own kind of scribbles that no one else was going to see or care about. I'm like, eh, I, I get paid to write. I'm not doing this just for shits and giggles. So that took me a while. Um, but finding the, the combination of those things and, and spending time, not just with myself, but spending time really being reflective about how I feel, how I feel about things, how I react to things, um, being accepting when I'm feeling certain emotions, because again, maybe this is a stereotype, but I feel like women are generally 
better at this. We're raised to think that it's okay to feel our emotions and express our emotions. But I was maybe a little bit atypical with that because I had a very strong mother who maybe wasn't a super emotional person. I mean, she certainly showed us love, but like I didn't see my mother cry until I was probably a senior in high school. And I, I certainly didn't do a lot of that myself. Like my friends used to joke and say like, Oh, Ashley's the one with no tear ducts. Cause I just wasn't like, I wasn't an overly emotional person. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't think I was, I was, I don't think people would consider me sort of cold and aloof. I just kind of took pride in being and again, I think it's so like sexist and gross of me to say, but just like being a chick who wasn't emotional. Like I just, I took a little bit of pride in that. And I think that it, in a certain, in certain circumstances and growing up, it served me pretty well that I could hold things close to my chest and not sort of share everything with everyone. And I, I it worked for me for a while, but I, I'm getting to a point again as a fully formed adult with a partner, with a husband that I want to share with and be honest with and be open with. And I had these just really, really long-term walls put up that I wasn't even aware of. That's the thing. And this is why now I understand people who are maybe emotionally unavailable because people who, who are free with their emotions think like, how hard is it to just be sad and recognize that you're sad and maybe tell someone you're sad. But oftentimes people who, who aren't very forthcoming emotionally, they, it's not that they're consciously thinking like I need to hide all my emotions from people. Like we've, we've built up such walls that we don't realize that we're having emotions or that we should be happy. Like it's, it's so just sort of deeply packed down as a, as a survival and defense mechanism. Um, so anyway, all this to say I'm working on, not even necessarily being more of a sharer or being more out there and open with my emotions, but just recognizing them and accepting them and being okay with them with myself. And then with a few people that I'm very close to that I feel I owe it to, to be um, more emotionally open and sharing. And that that process, I think, combined with um, the conversations that come out of it and, and the, I think the emotional release that comes out of that and then combined with like crushing a lot of CBD and GABA and some other things, it, it's, it's a kind of a perfect storm, but it has been significantly helping the anxiety that I feel at night, those kind of crazy um, rat wheel sort of thoughts that I have at night and my super light sleeping where I'm awake at any, any thought and wide awake and then freaking out because I can't get back to sleep. All that stuff has been drastically, drastically reduced um, through this work that I'm doing. So I guess sort of concluding thoughts about this is that there's no, there's no sort of one answer and it's not like, all right, everybody take CBD and like journal for five minutes and you'll be sorted out. Everybody kind of needs to find their own, their own path if they're having sleeping issues. But I think that approaching it the same way that we approach so many other things in life and being willing to do the work, do the self-experimentation, try things that maybe don't work, then try something else, um, being patient with ourselves, that whole process um, has, it's just been so hugely helpful to me and it's given me hope too, because it's like one of those things that I was like, well, I'm always gonna be a shitty sleeper and I've proven proven myself wrong. So um, it's been it's been a really, really eye-opening process. Well, it goes with the territory, right? I mean, in, in the industry that you're in, at the level of fitness and productivity and on the ballness that you are, I think that this is, you know, probably similar for a lot of the people listening right now is the glorification of being busy, the, mm -hmm. 
the glorification of the grind and the hustle. You know, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of comedy, but Chris uh, Mm D'Elia is a comic and he did this like spoof on on um, Instagram motivators. (laughs) And it's like, don't never give up. Never look back. Always move forward. Everything happens for a reason. Never give up. And it's like, I think that for us in the biohacking, um, personal development, nutrition space, it's go, 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 go. And it can't be that way. It can't be that way. And if your sleep is suffering, you have to, you have to approach a solutions-based method with sleep and taking care of your emotions and, and creating love in your life. Um, and conversation, interaction, the same way that you do with your form in a deadlift, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're obsessive about, uh, macronutrients, you should, you should also take a look at how you're taking care of your brain, how, how you're taking care of your, of your sleep. And, and that's really what, what I think in, differentiates natural stacks from so many other brands is that, we are trying to help people in all facets of their life, and and a lot of people, especially in 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 the go 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 universe, um, don't take care of their mental state. And having a better brain gives you a better life. And if you can sleep, and if it takes a little bit of CBD and some GABA as part of your evening routine to help you unwind and relax and go to sleep, then you should tinker around with it the same way that you tinker around with your grip on, you know. Yeah. The deadlift or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I hope people don't think anybody who knows me or, or follows me or enjoys the podcast, I hope people don't think that I'm one of those like sleep when you're dead, no days off people because I'm not and I don't ever want to portray myself that way. I mean, I think there's a difference between being um, excited about your life and, and having goals and being, yeah, one of these people who's like, yeah, you can never look back and never stop and sleep when you're dead. And, you know, that's stupid. And I hope everyone knows that that's stupid. But um, yeah. You know, the Instagram influencer thing is so weird anyway. And like, I I love Instagram, but it's also just so ridiculous. And sometimes it's hard to, uh, to separate the just infuriating parts from what's so great about it. But, you know, and that's again, talk, going back to the sharing thing, like I feel, I feel strongly that you see a lot of these influencers who get really, really popular because they and I'm going to use air quotes here because I think some are more, more or less genuine, but people who share their bad days and their good days and people, and I I don't want to like point fingers, but people who like take a picture of themselves when they were crying because they were upset about something. And then they share about what they were crying about. And it's like, I mean, I've never felt like I had to do that to, to connect with people or to show people who I am. I don't think, and I guess if that makes you feel good and you want to fine, but just because I'm not, and I don't think my, my Instagram's not overly curated necessarily, but like, yeah, I'm going to show you pictures where I'm happy and I'm going to show you pictures of food that I liked. And I'm not going to show you a picture of myself when I'm bloated and crying because I'm PMSing because I don't need to share that with the world. Like we, it's fine if, if, you know, we're all human and we all have our ups and downs, but I've never felt the need. And I hope other people don't feel like they have to do that to be quote unquote real. It's like show whatever you want to on your social media. And I think if you Whatever you're putting out there, if you're genuine, like I, I want my personality to come across and that's it. The rest of it is just details. And if people can connect with that and, and want to follow what you're doing and learn from it, then that's really, 
the key for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Being being authentic is most important. And uh, yeah, well, on, on that note, because I know that you just um, by the time people hear this, that will have been, you know, maybe a, a couple of weeks or a month away from from the event. But you just recently got back from Las Vegas at the Mr. Olympia. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'd love to hear. I'd, uh, I'd love to hear on the um, on the topic of of balance and mental well-being and emotional health, you know, how was Mr. Olympia? How much time do we have guys? Um, (laughs) yeah, it was such an interesting experience as someone who has a bodybuilding background. I've competed in bodybuilding. Um, but I never have gone to a show because I don't care to watch them necessarily. I'm, I'm kind of of the industry a little bit, but not really in it. So being, really like thrown into the middle of a very high level bodybuilding event was really, really interesting. Um, I was mostly at the expo because I was there with some friends of mine who, um, have a company that they were exhibiting at the expo. So I got to hang out with them and, uh, it was like total sensory overload. And as someone who lives in New York and like likes sensory overload, Vegas bodybuilding convention is like sensory overload of a completely different type. Um, but you know, it's like an exotic, it's like that scene from star Wars where they're in the cantina and like, it's just like crazy, you know, <laughs> like just like the sounds and the sights and you're just staring at everybody and you're like, Holy moly, everybody's crazy looking in different ways. But, um, it was, uh, it was really cool. I mean, and I think one of the interesting parts for me as a, again, the products editor and, and concerned with that kind of side of it, I got to walk around there and like the difference between a bodybuilding products expo versus like a bulletproof conference or a paleo FX or whatever. I mean, it's totally night and day. And it reminds you that there are, lots of people, we all have different goals and different desires and place importance on different things, but there are huge groups of people who are about, um, performance and body composition gains that don't give a shit what's in the products. They do not care. Does it work or does it make you feel like it works? Is somebody who's super big and jacked backing up this product? Like those are the things that kind of matter more. And there's, this isn't a, a, um, a, placing judgment on anybody because before I got into paleo magazine, I was always like a meathead. I was always in the gym. I was like 16 years old doing bicep curls. Not a lot of my friends were doing that at the time. Like I've always been into that stuff and I was, you know, trying weird BCAAs made with God knows what. And, you know, so whatever, like we're, we're all just on our, on, on our journey trying to figure things out. Um, but seeing some of these products were just like crazy. And the, the, uh, the marketing too, like they have names, like just like, face exploder, like just like crazy, crazy products. Um, but there were still, you know, there were a couple of products that were kind of like, it was interesting. You could tell there were, they were for like bodybuilders who care about the ingredients and, and want sort of a more natural approach and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of high level bodybuilders aren't going for natural at all. Right. They want to look like, uh, very different from the rest of the world. And, um, so their products and supplements and stuff are going to reflect that. But, Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was very colorful, very interesting. I got to meet some really cool people and make some really great connections. I, um, I met Ben Pakulski, who I'm sure as you guys know, he's a Canadian, really famous, um, former bodybuilder and he's a super cool guy. I really like his podcast. And I met Chris Bell, who is the, you know, the Kratom guy. And he's has a couple really good documentaries on Netflix, super cool dude. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was very interesting. I've, I've dabbled with like 
doing another bodybuilding show because I've done a couple and I was pretty good at it. And I really quite enjoyed it and, and didn't have as much of the negative side effects as, as a lot of horror stories you hear from people who have done bodybuilding competitions. But I, 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 I'm back and forth about it because I'm one of those people who I always like to, to be trying something new and learning something new and have a new goal fitness wise. Um, and when I feel like I've sort of learned what I can learn from something, it's like hard to get me motivated to keep doing it. And I think, unfortunately, that's one of the reasons why I need to market myself as someone who is just really well-rounded versus super good at any one thing, because I just, I don't think I have the obsessiveness and the, the obsessive quality that a lot of people and a lot of maybe CEOs and a lot of professional athletes, like they need, they need that sort of almost unhealthy drive to be just the best at something. I just kind of don't have it. I'm, I'm cool with just being good at stuff, you know? So maybe yeah. I'm an underachiever, but I just, I, I feel like I, um, I just like to, I just like to constantly be learning new things. And I feel like maybe with, I'm not saying never, but with the bodybuilding thing, I've, I reached the level that I felt comfortable with and that I enjoyed and I learned something from. And now I'm kind of like, all right, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just try to have like a two pack for fun instead of a six pack for, for the stage. We'll see. What, 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 what thing did you take away? What, what did, what one thing was new or novel in your, in your life that you learned a concept or a product or a person that, that you weren't expecting from, from bodybuilding? No. Yeah. From, from attending Mr. Olympia. Um, from attending Olympia. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily learned anything new. Um, I think it was really just more, um, really personally sort of like networking and also just, I say this in a loving way, but just watching the sort of freak show, like, it's just interesting. I, I'm, I've always been really fascinated with, um, sports and with people who push the envelope of what the human body is capable of. So I've always been like, I, you know, watched pumping iron when I was a kid, like I've just been into that stuff. Like I was always into impressive bodies and what people could do with them. So it kind of makes sense that I, I found my way into bodybuilding at some point. And, you know, I was into CrossFit and I was into powerlifting and all of those things. Cause I just, I'm really attracted to strength and I'm really attracted to people just doing kind of incredible things with their physical body. So, um, that's really kind of what I, what I took away from it was just like sort of pure enjoyment and, um, fun really. Nice. Nice. So yeah. that was your Disneyland. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. It, it was, it was very entertaining. I'll say that. So as, as a, as an expert, as an encyclopedia for paleo, keto, primal, um, and, and as a, as a certified nutrition coach, uh, one of the concepts that we sort of batted around before talking today was was that paleo is not, or keto or is not, or primal is not the sort of panacea that that it sometimes is made out to be. And of course, the obvious answer is yeah, it's individualized nutrition. But can you can you take us a little bit through how you see being such being so informed about this universe and this approach to nutrition. Um, why does it not work for some folks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think 
it, it goes back to, I'm sure you've been watching um, these cool Joe Rogan debates that he's been doing. So there was like the keto guy versus the, if it fits your macros guy recently, Dom D'Agostino and Lane Norton. And then before that, it was Chris Cresser versus this vegan guy, vegan versus um, sort of a more uh, paleo approach. Um, and I think that one of the things that comes from these kind of conversations, which are great, which are awesome, is that it's a combination of straight up science and facts. Here's what will make a human body feel bad and will make a human body feel good in 99% of the cases. And then it's also the individualized part is what are you as an individual going to stick to? What are you going to enjoy? What's going to enrich your life versus make it worse? Um, and so, you know, a lot of the, the fights about the vegan versus, um, paleo side of things, which I mean, I still think there's a right answer there, but fine, is both of them are saying don't eat processed garbage and a ton of sugar and drink booze every night and smoke and do all like it's it's that part we can all come together on, you know? Um, and I think that, yeah, ultimately the best diet is the one you're going to stick to. Um, with the caveat that don't eat like an asshole, like let's have some common sense. Um, but I think that being willing to just listen to other sides and being willing to try things is what's important. It's so easy for people to get dogmatic because that is easier to follow than to find your own personal path. It's much easier. Like I've always said, a bodybuilding diet is easier than a paleo diet. And, and keto is easier because if you just give me five rules and say, do this, never eat that, eat at this time, eat this much. I'm like, okay, maybe it'll suck, but that's super easy to follow. Very clear. I have no choice in the matter, you know, so I can follow that. If someone says, here's some information for you to take in and learn, try some things out for yourself, pay attention to how you feel. If things don't work, take this out and then try this. And it's going to take you six months or a year. And maybe you'll be sort of on the right path at that point. People are like, holy shit, I don't want to do that. That's so much work. I don't yeah. want to do that. So, you know, when people, even when people find paleo, they're like, okay, here are the 10 rules of paleo. I'm going to follow that. And if I see someone eating a white potato, that idiot's going to hear it from me, you know? And I, I get that from people too, who are like, you're paleo and you eat rice. What are you doing? And I'm like, no, I, I eat rice sometimes because I have done the, the personal work and I know that my body tolerates it really well. And I like it. And when I work out hard and when I'm, I'm exercising a lot, I want that kind of carb and it feels good to me. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it's basically like nobody. And this is again, not a judgment thing. I'm the same way. No one wants to do that super hard work when there's an easier option. And when people hear about keto and they think, well, that's an easy option. Cause that you just took out a whole section of food. I can just never eat again. So there you go. Easy. I don't have to think about whether sweet potatoes better than white potato or whether I can eat a piece of bread or whether whatever. Now I just, it's total choice that I don't have to make anymore. Um, and so I get it and I get that, that certain things like that are going to work for people at certain times and certain times of their life. But I think that we, instead of thinking about, it was funny, I was just saying this to a, um, a client that I, a new client that I had the other day, when it comes to health and nutrition, especially, which is an ongoing ever present um, challenge that you're going to have in your life because you're always going to eat. 
It's about reframing the idea of nutrition as this thing I have to do because I'm an adult now and I have an adult's metabolism. And so I guess I can't eat cake every day and I can't drink all the time and I have to eat this broccoli because I'm an adult now and like this is a nightmare. Instead of re instead of feeling like it's just another thing on your to-do list that you don't really want to take care of but you have to, reframe it and think about it as an opportunity to learn about your body, to make yourself feel as good as possible, to invest in your health and quality of life as you move forward. Because I, you know, and I ask my client, what is more expensive to you mentally and physically taking six months to learn how to eat properly for you, which at times may be challenging or monotonous or annoying or not fun or a lifetime of looking in the mirror and kind of feeling shitty, feeling like you're making bad decisions and, and having guilt attached to that, maybe having poor health down the line because you aren't paying attention to your, to, you know, the way you eat and work out and stuff like that. That latter situation seems a lot more costly to me. So why not, since it's something that is a part of your life, whether you like it or not, the food you're putting in your mouth, why not approach it from a sense of positivity and fun and adventure and learning, because that's what it can be if that's how you look at it, you know? So, yeah. Well, it, it, and it is harder work. It, it, it's more attention to detail. It's, it's being willing to be wrong about what you're doing and, and shake up the assumptions that you have for yourself. You know, I think a lot of people, um, are still operating from, you know, I'm 35 and I think a lot of, a lot of people are still operating from the habits and assumptions that they learned in college and they haven't really taken the time in their adult professional lives. And this goes to all aspects of their life, how they, how they uh, approach relationships, how they approach their career, what they do for fun. Like if you're stuck in an old paradigm and you're, you're aging and you're, body is changing and there's really great supplements that will help you think faster and remember more. And there's other supplements um, that will help repair your gut. And there are actual uh, modes of nutrition that may work for you. I think a lot of us just don't explore it because you're right. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's work and it takes time and people are busy. And, and yeah, saying, hey, this is going to take six months to 12 months. And it'll probably, you'll probably have a pretty good idea of, of how you deal with sugar at that point. And you'll be able to streamline a, a practice that is sustainable for the long term um, in how you eat and what you do and how you exercise. Uh, but it, you're right. It does take work. And I think a lot of people kind of don't know where to start. It, I think a lot of folks are looking for simple tools and approaches to the way that they eat and live their life that are accessible. And I mean, I, I'm preaching to the choir, you know, <laughs> Paleo Magazine is an excellent resource for, for addressing and, and, and giving people options for them to live more optimal. Um, but you're right. It does take work. But like I say to all my clients and like, I'm sure you do too, like you're worth it. This is your life. You get to make the choices. You get to drive the boat. If you want to drink four beers a night, um, that's your choice. You you can go ahead and do that. If you want to, um, if you want Just to have a negative, those choices have consequences is the thing. Yeah. Like it's like right. taking away the like guilt, like, Oh, you're bad. Cause you ate cake or like, Oh, you're, you don't care about yourself because you had a drink this weekend. It's like, we, and I, I have to work on this too. Cause I've had times where I 
binged for a day or two and I'm like, oh, I'm a useless monster. Like, look what I just did. It's like, get over yourself. Like you, you're an adult, you made a decision and that decision made you feel better or worse and move on from there. And we all need to do a better job of doing that. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's fair to say that it is a lot of work and it can be tough. And that's why it's a constant work in progress. Like this is my job and I'm still working on it for myself. So it's not to say that it's easy, but I, I reject the notion that even if you have kids and a crazy job and et cetera, et cetera, that you don't have the ability to work on this because we all on a sliding scale have the time and the ability and the, the mental a mental ability to do this. And I think it's, it's like going back to, I have to shout out my husband for teaching me about this, but it's, um, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's the, the fixed mindset versus growth mindset. It's, um, her name, uh, Dr. Dweck, it was like somebody, a psychologist, but the growth fixed mindset is people who believe that their traits or their abilities or whatever are fixed, that they can't change who they are, that if something bad happens, it's because it was just meant to be. And they, and if, if there's a challenge put in your way, it's like, or an obstacle, it's like, okay, well that was meant to be. So I guess screw it. And then there's the growth mindset where every obstacle, every challenge is an opportunity to learn. And every setback is you can learn from it and move on. And I think we all know that a growth mindset is a more positive way to live your life because everybody is going to face challenges. Everybody and relating this to, to health and, and fitness and whatever athletes get injuries all the time. Um, people have, digestive issues and autoimmune issues and, and, um, chronic diseases that make things way more difficult to be healthy. We have, um, trauma and catastrophe in our family and in our work life and all of these things that make things so difficult to just kind of keep it together. But if that's the reality of our life, it's how we respond to it. That really kind of you know, that's, that's what your life is. It's not just the shitty things that happen to you. It's how you deal with it. And especially because you know that you're not going to avoid the shitty things happening. That's what life is. It's shitty yeah. things. And then you trying to have a great time around those things, you know? So, um, yeah, it's anyway. Yeah. It, no, you, you're right. I mean, you're, you're, we see this the same way. Shocker. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. so it's, it's Carol Dweck and this, yeah. uh, this, this principle is at the heart of so much of what I do, including how I parent my children, um, urging them, encouraging them to experiment, uh, understanding what it means to fail, failing daily and being okay with it because this is the way that the world works and uh, understanding that things can change in an instant and our, our mental... Uh, framework, the way that we see and and process information and, and whether or not we allow it to either internalize within us, within ourselves or define who we are. Yeah. It, you're, it's, you know, my son is, is not a good boy and a smart boy. He's, he, um, be, he's focused on his behavior and he works really hard and there's a difference mm -hmm. in nuance in the way that I treat that. Uh, yeah. Because if if you're a smart boy, then okay, I'm smart, cool, everything's gonna come to me. But mm -hmm. if you're, but if I reward him and I reward my daughter who's two for for trying really hard or really focusing, like they'll get rewards around. If I see them focus on something for for <laughs> well, in some cases longer than two seconds. Right. If I see them focus on something for for an extended period of time, 
then I'll reward that rather than, oh, you built this thing? Cool, way to go. That's really great. You did you did really well. You're you're really smart. Rather than, you know, I see you working hard on that thing. That's great. Doesn't it feel good to, to focus on something, to work towards something, keep going? And it's, you know, our, our brain's... Uh, yeah, don't need to get into the, our subconscious mind, but but it's it's a, it's important. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I think I think having having a, an approach that 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 accounts for errors and failures is is so important, and to give ourselves a break and not take ourselves too seriously is I, is a really yeah. important thing. Yeah, and I think going back to this relates to what you're saying is the the desire and interest in learning because that automatically gives you a sense of humility because you're you're admitting and accepting that you don't know things so I want to continue to learn them um, and then that that kind of enriches your life and enriches other people's lives I hope I don't know maybe you weigh in on this if you think that people are sort of born with an innate curiosity or if people can learn it or if you're born with maybe some of that like you were saying maybe if you're raised with a sense of entitlement you don't feel like you need to learn things or learn from other people as much. But I think that that is one of those like sort of key points that that makes people healthy and happy and contributing members of society because it lets you be open and it lets you continue to grow as you go through life. And I think that most people don't learn in a vacuum. Like for me, doing the job that I do, I know that most likely I'm never going to be the authority in any particular thing, health or fitness or whatever, because all I do all day is interview people who are smarter and have put more time and education and learning into things than I have. But I know that I am a good uh, communicator and that I am very, very interested in learning and asking questions and then distilling that information and passing that information along to other people. So that's how I'm I'm using the things that I'm good at and the things I'm already interested in to help other people. I hope, I hope that's what I'm doing. Um, but I think that that's why it's such, it's super, super important for people to just kind of always have that mindset where they want to be learning new things. It, I, I believe that it's, that it, I don't think you're born with it. I think that the programs that you were taught between the ages of one and seven, where we are as children, um, sponges for programs, cultural programs, mentality programs, programs about love and family and food and activity and values and religion, where we are taught in that introduction in, in the first seven years of our life. And that's what frames our subconscious mind. And that subconscious mind, as you get older, uh, sort of after the after the age of seven, accounts for something like 93 or 97% of, of your decision-making and how you think and who you are and how you navigate mentally through this reality is based on the programs that you learned between zero and seven. And mm. those, if, if you were programmed in a way that was flexible and was about, um, um, being uh, learning how to learn mm -hmm. and you know the, the entitlement if, if if you were handed everything and and didn't really have to work much you know the most interesting people are the people that struggle a little bit and it, it, the, the the folk that have the most interesting take on the world you know are usually people who um, didn't have it super easy yeah they didn't yeah. they had to struggle a little bit 
And, and that's, I don't want to, I don't want to glorify turmoil, Mm -hmm. but if, if you're exposed to situations early in life where you have to, you have to work a little bit and you have to have a flexible mind and develop a sense of humor and, Mm -hmm. and have a, um, have a nuanced way of looking at the world, then that program is the program that will run your brain for the rest of your life. And, and I think that, I think a lot of us just get stuck in grooves and then we just ride that groove and we don't even know that we're in that groove, but we get stuck there and, and wake up at 30 and go, wait a minute, what am I doing? What, how have I, have I gotten this all wrong? Is, is the way that I think about myself and the world not serving my highest purpose? Is it not helping me grow? And, and that's when you got to, that's when you got to reassess things and, and look at the tools and tricks of coaches and experts and podcasts to help, you know, uh, help inform and change your mentality around the way that you live your life. Absolutely. I think, I think that's why one of the things that we, um, can all sort of aspire to as again, I keep speaking to sort of 30 somethings cause that's what we are. But I feel like that's kind of an interesting time where you've, you've come out of that sort of young adult stage where you're just trying to figure shit out and you're kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and you're not quite in the sort of older, more established phase yet. So you're sort of in this like limbo where I guess you're supposed to be successful. No one's really impressed with anything you're doing anymore because you're not 22. Um, but there's still a lot of stuff that could go on in your 30s with, you know, sort of kids and jobs and things like that. Um, but and of course, I'm also speaking to I would think that a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are fortunately and hopefully um in a place where they have a roof over their heads and they're safe and they have basically all of their most of their needs met. Um, one of the things that those of us in that situation who are very fortunate from where we live and, and the, you know, we have money to, to feed ourselves and all of those things is to purposefully put ourselves in uncomfortable, tricky, conflicting situations. Because as I think you alluded to, it's very easy to get stuck in a groove, but it's also very easy because we don't live in a world where we generally, most of us have to fight for survival, fight for our food, um, fight to stay alive. We, we instead get stressed out over things like Instagram and, you know, because our job, we don't want to wear a suit to work and all these things, whatever, but putting ourselves into situations that are uncomfortable, whether it's learning a new sport that we suck at or speaking at a conference and we're nervous about it or learning a new language or all of these things, that's the kind of stuff that you got to keep doing that. And, and it's like this inertia thing. So if you keep doing it, you want to keep doing it and you're okay with that discomfort feeling. And again, it goes back to the learning. And that's one of the things that I, I always want to keep doing because I, at this point in my life, am very, very lucky that I, I have all of my needs met and I have everything that I need. Um, and I'm grateful for that. And I think about it every day. And so to try and kind of get a little bit of that, that, um, friction in my life, I go and learn jujitsu and I go and speak at a thing and I'm learning Italian and I'm traveling to this place that I'm not really that into. And I, I do work that some days I wake up and I'm like, Oh, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because that's why I'm doing it. So I can learn and get better and be a better human because I'm not stuck on autopilot. Yeah. Oh man. Well said. Well said. I, I it, it it goes to the sort of the theme of this meandering podcast is is you know how how do you approach your life uh, how do you 
how do you invest in your quality of life and questioning if questioning yourself are you are you doing things because that's what you think you should do or are you doing things because you're experimenting and trying to grow and i think that that's a fundamental question that we should all, that we should all ask ourselves daily to be to be aware of of our trajectory and who we spend our time with and what we do for work and to to question our our assumptions and and the the norms that we have created for ourselves because we've got a finite number of uh finite we've got a limited number of of hours on this planet and and they sh- they shouldn't be spent um in a rut, in a in in a in a groove that maybe is taking you down the hill in a way that you don't want to go. You don't want to end up at that portion of the mountain. You want to find your own way through experimentation down another portion of the mountain where you can, um, where you can, you know, hashtag live your best life. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's nothing wrong with being um, a little bit aware of the the limited time that we have and having a bit of a sense of urgency. If it if it kicks you out of autopilot and makes you do the things that that make you feel alive and make you feel happy, because yeah, we've we've only got the one go around that we know of, so you got to do the best with the time you have. Based on based on your experience in working with people, do you know what what do you think helps people get out of ruts? Oh man, if I knew that, I'd be a millionaire. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a coach, I, I have a lot of frustration with that sometimes because it's not a lot of times it's not about a lack of motivation, and it's certainly not about a lack of information because we have more information about how to get healthy than we've ever had in the history of humanity. Um, so it's not that I think. I guess it's like it's different for everybody because you've you've heard these stories about people who have like these light bulb moments where maybe they were super overweight for decades or maybe they were just kind of low level sort of unhappy with themselves and were kind of bitter and it was affecting their relationships forever. And then it's like one day they're just like they open up a can of Coke or something and they're like never again and they throw it out. And then you know what I mean? It's like these it's it's like this intangible thing that has to happen internally. But I think maybe as I'm speaking out loud, what I'm getting to is that getting people out of ruts, you have to get yourself out of the rut and it's intrinsic. It's no amount of external motivation ever is going to get you to sort your shit out if you're not ready to do it. And we've all learned that from maybe having friends that we see struggling and we want to help them. So we give them some information or maybe we want to try to get our mother on a different diet because she's struggling and she wants to feel better. And you try to like give people help and if they don't want to take it, you're wasting your time and you're frustrating everybody. So I guess what it goes back to is kind of what you were saying is asking yourselves these questions. I wrote this article. Um, I think it's on my website, but it might be on medium too. And it's about how, how coachable are you? And the question is, well, I guess the, the message was for you before you get a personal trainer or a nutritionist or a health coach or anybody to spend some time with yourself and ask yourself a few questions if you are ready and able and in a place to be coached and to, to receive information and to make changes. And if you aren't, again, that's you're not a bad person or a lazy person. You have work to do and you have other things that are taking priority. But it's a really valuable thing to do before you waste a bunch of time and a bunch of money with a coach because you kind of think that you should get in, out of a rut, but you're not ready to do it. And some of these questions are like, 
if I did not get any help right now and stayed exactly how I am, my lifestyle and behavior and how I feel for another five years, how would that make me feel? You know, or is my current health and lifestyle behavior, does that hurt or negatively affect anyone in my life? And um, if I have a health coach who gives me recommendations that are completely converse to the way I do things and make me immediately defensive and bristle against them, will I be willing to try them and try it anyway, or will I not accept that? So certain questions that you need to be like really, really honest with yourself. And I think that if more people did that before they just said, oh, it's January 1st, better get on the eight week diet plan and then immediately fail out and feel bad and feel worse. And then they're back in their rut that they never really left, you know, be brutally honest with yourself and think, are you willing to open yourself up to things that are going to be uncomfortable and different and really you have to change and are you willing to do that for yourself and is there a good reason to do it and and ask those questions like i said at the end of it i'm like you know when if you were going to build a house from scratch you'd ask yourself some questions first before just diving into it and you'd ask like do i have the money to do this do i have the equipment do i have people who are going to help me and most importantly do i want this new house <laughs> because some people don't actually want it they say it's cool to say everybody wants to be fitter everyone wants to have a better diet but maybe you don't actually Maybe you don't actually want to change your life to fit into one size smaller pants, or maybe you don't want to completely overhaul your diet just so that you can uh, say that you eat super clean and you're healthier now. Maybe you don't care right now, and maybe that's okay, but just be honest with yourself before you get into it because that's that's really what it is. It comes from within. There's there's no no uh, you know famous trainer or PDF weight loss plan that's going to sort you out if you're not ready to to do it internally. That's real. That's a really strong point. That's excellent. Mm. Are are you ready to be coached? Are you ready to make changes? But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little deeper. I don't know how much. <laughs> uh, but how do you suppose? Uh, what are some tools that people can do to ask themselves? Am I ready to move? Am I ready to change? Am I ready to build this house? Like, do you have techniques that you suggest to people, uh, that will help them ask that question and, <clears throat> and trust that answer? Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's a hard one. And I, I struggle with this with clients and I struggle with this internally and I, um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because again, we're all in different places in our life and in our health and wellness journey, if you will. And so sometimes it's as easy as just giving people those questions and saying, go sit down with yourself, write them out, answer them, think about it, like ruminate on it for a while, like sleep on it, wake up tomorrow. How do you feel? Um, and sometimes people will answer and be like, yep, hundred percent ready to go. Yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then they get their, their marching orders and they're like, nah, nah, I'm not actually, I'm not ready for this. So <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's, it, there, there isn't there, there are tricks. Like we've talked about this whole podcast. It's write write a personal journal and every day ask yourself the following questions. And it can be questions like, what did I do today to, um, make myself happier and healthier? And what did I do today that took away from my happiness and, and health? And, um, what did I do today to make other people feel good and, and questions that just kind of really make you 
think about what you're doing with your life and with yourself and with other people. Um, so again, like the journaling thing works, the mindfulness thing works. And also a lot of times I tell people like, try one, if they are, if they're willing to work with me, I'll say like, try one thing for a week. Like maybe it's your breakfasts this week are not going to have any, uh, you're not going to have your bagel, your morning bagel. You're not having that this week. So figure it out, have eggs or have a protein shake or have, or fast or do whatever the hell, I don't care, but you're not eating your bagel this week. And if you can, if you can follow that for a week, then that shows that there's a level of, I'm willing to do something I kind of don't want to do to learn about myself and try. I'm willing to listen to what somebody else that I have paid for their expertise is telling me, even if I don't like what they're telling me. And then you build on these small successes. So that's why, again, like these, these sort of PDF eight week, everything's going to sort you out stock plans that people give to everybody. Maybe they will work for eight weeks, but is that a sustainable thing for life? Because this isn't, this isn't, it's easy to follow directions for eight weeks, but like, what about the rest of your life? So with real coaching, it's generally a lot more layered. It's a lot more gradual and progressive. And maybe the first month is sorting out your breakfast. But when you feel like you have made tangible progress and you've proven to yourself that you can do what you say you're going to do, and maybe you feel better too. And that, that helps. And maybe you even look a little bit better and your digestion's a little bit better. And then you're like, shit, I'm getting all of these great feedback points. Now I want to keep doing this and I want to try something else. And then maybe you listen to my recommendation about going for a walk every day. And then maybe that starts to steamroll into something else. And like, that's how you create sustainable progress. It's when you, you can prove to yourself that you can make these sort of incremental good choices and they build and they build and they snowball. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're really rolling and you're, you're feeling better. And that's, that's how you create lifelong change. That's excellent. I love that. Start by skipping a bagel and then just adjust, figure it out. Just start, start a whole, just make it a week. Stop it. That's great. And then build off of that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, success, everybody knows this. Everybody who has had success knows this, that people don't just wake up and they're Usain Bolt or Beyonce or whatever. No one, no one is like that. We all have to start somewhere. We all have to suck at something first. We all have to put the work in and going from not being good at something to being good at something happens gradually. It does not happen overnight. Every, every champion will tell you that. So we like to look at Instagram and see the people that we think were just born sorted out, but that's not the case. So if we can really internalize that too, and say like every little choice every day, we have a thousand choices, a thousand choices, what we put on our shoes, what we put in our mouth, like what we do at the gym, how we talk to other people, thousand choices and every little choice, we have a chance to do something that's good. And when those build up and build up, then all of a sudden we're figuring things out. Well said. Ashley, to take this thing home, would you please I'll give you a second to catch your catch your breath. There I like go. I like your I like your style, Ashley. I, I you speak you speak from the heart. It's quality stuff. It's uh, I, I like I, I really appreciate your view on the world, which is why I'm excited to ask this question that I ask of all the guests at the end. Okay. Please finish the sentence. Everyone should know that That is a really good question. That's a really great way to end things off. Um, I, I guess in relation to everything we've been talking about, everyone should know that 
they have the power to improve their life and they have the control and the ability to make their life better. And that can be, that can have all all kinds of repercussions and it can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be how you work out. It can be your relationships. It can be just how you move through life. But I think very often we feel like you said, we don't know where to start and we can feel like it's out of our control and we don't have the power and we need someone to help or we need divine intervention or we need luck, you know, something lucky to come our way and, and things will be okay. But everybody on some level, no matter how, hard you're struggling or how messed up life is, you absolutely have choices and the ability to improve your life right away. So we should all just feel empowered by that and start making those little choices to make things better. Excellent. Excellent. Ashley, where can people find you, engage with you? What's, what, what's your favorite place to be reached? Where, where can we follow you? Where can we listen to your podcast? Cool. Well, uh, the, the best place after I was shitting all over it earlier, the best place to talk to me is Instagram. Um, because I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I never said Instagram was bad. I said, it's like, you know, you got to know how to navigate it, but, um, it's yeah, true. So I'm, but I'm very, I'm very interactive on, on Instagram and I love to talk to people there. So you can find me there at the muscle maven. And my own personal website is just ashleyvanhouten.com. So you can learn more about my coaching. My podcast is also up there, um, but you can just search Paleo Magazine Radio on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, and just like that last little caveat that if you're not paleo, it's fine. I talk to uh, UFC champs and I talk to doctors and I talk to musicians and I talk to everybody that cares about health and fitness on that podcast. So there's something there for everybody. So um, yeah, definitely check it out and and let me know what you think and say hi on Instagram and that'd be great. Awesome. Ashley, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks, John.